0: Good morning. Good morning. Um, I'm gonna in just a second um, pray, and I just want to ask you to pray for me. I've been in like a funk this morning. I don't know what's going on. I've told some of you guys, and um, I just don't want to miss what God has for me this morning because I'm I'm in the way. So I need my brain to move and to to yield to what God's doing. And maybe some of you are in that same place this morning, and we just need a minute. Um, before we do that, Jamie, can you bump the volume down on this just a little bit? I'm getting a lot of echo up here. Um, I don't need like extra, right? <laughs> so this morning, um, let's let's pray and you can pray for me and I'm going to pray and uh, let's just see what God has for us this morning. Father, we need you. God, I need you. Uh, God, I need you this morning just to move me out of the way. Um, God, this morning, you, you know what I know, like there's no reason to hide, just bad days. Um, it's okay to have bad days. It's okay to be in a funk, but God, I don't want to miss what you have for me because of that. And I don't want to miss what you have for us because of that. So God, this morning, I'm just praying that you'll just move God beyond these moments that you would just allow, um, God, your spirit just to fall so thick in this place, God, that, that we would be captivated by you, not some words, not some person, not something, um, uh, God, I just feel the weight of distraction in me this morning, but in others uh, as well. Um, and I'm praying, God, this morning, you'll just move all that out of the way. God, this morning, that we uh, we've come here for one thing, and that's to meet with you. And God, that's what we want this morning. So Jesus, that's what I'm praying this morning. That God, every thing the enemy may be doing to try to battle in us just throw it out of the way. God, that everything that maybe we carried in here from this week or this morning, God will just throw it out of the way. And God will just check all that at the door. Because God, you have something for every person in the room today. And um, God, there's nobody here on like accident today. I'm just praying, Jesus, that you would just move um, in these moments, God, that we wouldn't waste this time thinking about yesterday or tomorrow, because yesterday's done and tomorrow will get here soon enough. Um, but God, in these moments, we would just rest in you. God, we need you. We love you. We thank you. It's in your name, Jesus. We pray. Amen. Amen. good morning. That was pitiful. Good morning. Um, morning. Thank you. Uh, Man, so good to be here this morning and so good just to continue um, talking about a series we started, I guess, maybe last week, Go Tell. It's weird because it kind of started the week before. We're just kind of flowing with the story of Jesus here this morning. And um, Anyway, I just love the the concept that we talked about a few weeks ago that at the empty tomb uh, we have this... um, or the resurrection spot place, we have this launching place into the mission of God for our life. I think that's amazing because I think so many times we we sit around and we're like, God, what would you have for me? God, what do you want for me? And what we mean is like, you know, where am I going to work and what am I going to do? And, you know, I think God cares about those things, but in a greater way, I think we can see what God really cares about in his in His word and that God does have a plan for us and a mission for us, and there's something that every person that is his has and we all have that in common. And we find the mission at the resurrection place. This this spot where God used to be dead, that Jesus physically actually died. They buried him and then now he's not there anymore. He is in fact alive. Yeah. And in the moments where those ladies came to the tomb and the angel invited them down into that resurrection place, he said to them, Come in and look look at what God has done. Look at the miracle God has done. And it's the miracle of God that kind of galvanizes the mission of God. It's the resurrection place that launches us into the mission of God for our life. So he, he invites them in. He tells them to look around. And then once they've looked around, this angel says to these ladies, okay, now go do something. Go tell somebody. Go, go, Tell people what God has done in this place. Go tell people about the miracle of God. And that's still the the mission of God for us is that we would just go tell people about the the miracle of God. So we're going to talk about the next few weeks what this mission is. And I was talking to Nick this morning. Really, I don't think anybody in the room today is probably confused about the mission. Right? Like, does anybody like need me just to spend the next hour talking about? Hey, we're supposed to go make disciples. Anybody like? I'm just unclear on that. Can you just? Can you just? Did God really say that? Like, does God really want that for us? I don't. I don't think any of us are confused about that. I think the problem is we know exactly what God wants for us to do, and there's something in the way. There's this barrier. This this there's this thing that keeps us from doing it. And I think in Matthew 28, Jesus he he addresses this with the disciples. We see in Matthew 28 that Jesus is already resurrected from the tomb. The disciples have seen him probably several times up into this moment. He's already done the thing we talked about last week where he we come in the room and he's like, peace to you. Come look at what God has done. Peace to you. Go tell people about me. They've already had that conversation. And, and this is maybe uh, several days after that that we see um, these disciples, the 11 disciples, and they're traveling to Galilee. We're going to be in Matthew twenty eight sixteen. I don't think I said that. But we have these 11 disciples or these followers of Christ. These are the guys that we know like half of their names and the other half of their names are really kind of unsure about. But Peter, James, John, Bartholomew, um, Thomas, the other guys, those guys those are these guys, and they're the kind of devout followers of Jesus that for three and a half years now have been on this journey of, God, what are you going to do? And um, they, they're traveling here to Galilee. Now, Galilee is a, the region in the north, northernmost part of Israel. Israel is kind of like the state of Tennessee, if you flipped it this way. We have three regions here, and we have three regions in Israel, and we got Judea, which is where the crucifixion and the resurrection kind of took place down in Jerusalem, the lower area. And then we have Samaria, which doesn't get very much press because we don't like Samaritans if we're Jews. And then we have uh, this area at the very northernmost part, which is Galilee, and that's the area Jesus did a lot of his ministry. It's where Nazareth is. This is Jesus' kind of hometown here. It's his turf, and these 11 disciples are traveling from um, Judea or Jerusalem in Judea to this northernmost place, Galilee, but it says they're going to the mountain where Jesus had directed them, a mountain that we don't get the name of because we'd probably build some church on it, and we'd go there and do all the things, uh, but, you know, like it's a mountain, no real significance to the mountain. That's why it doesn't even get named in, in Matthew's gospel. It's just, just a place. And it's a place where Jesus told them to go, prearranged meeting spot. This is in 17 when they saw him, capitalized being Jesus, they worshiped him. When they saw Jesus, they worshiped Jesus. Now, I love that because that's like a brilliant idea, right? Like, this is Jesus. The, the least we could do in these moments is worship him. They just saw Jesus beaten beyond the point of re- recognition. They saw him stretched out on the cross. They saw him bleed to death to stop breathing. They, they saw all that take place, and then they saw him tossed in a hole, and they saw the stone rolled in front of the hole, and now Jesus is alive, and he's like miles away, and he's standing on this mountain. That's the least we could do at this moment. Jesus did a lot of really awesome stuff and the least we can do is worship him, right? Like, can we all just get around that? Like, he, he, he died for us and for them, and then he was placed in a tomb, and then he resurrected. He doesn't have to do anything else to get worship today. Amen. I love it. It doesn't say they, they went to the mountain, and Chris Tomlin showed up, and they, he played that song, and it was awesome, how great is our God, and they felt the spirit, and then they lifted their hands. That's not what it says, is it? It doesn't say they got to the bridge and the band really nailed it this morning. And then, like, we just we jumped for a minute and then bam, worship was there. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say anything about songs at all, does it? See, worship is is more than a song. There's no band that we know of here on the mountain. There's Jesus. And when they saw Jesus, that was enough to move them into a place of worship. And not because like everything's okay, probably in the disciples' life, and, and they've got a really full bank account, and they have the best car, and they've got the nicest house. We don't even know if they have any of that stuff. They're here, they see Jesus, and in response to seeing Jesus, they worship. See, worship is more than singing. Worship is seeing And I think sometimes we forget that. We want to tie worship to to music, and we want to tie worship to preference. And really what that is is that's just give me what I like, and I'll respond to what I like. And, And it has nothing to do with that. We don't even have to sing to worship. We have to see to worship. So they see Jesus, and Jesus is standing there, and they're like, this is amazing. That he was dead. And now here we are miles away on a mountain, and he's standing there, and I can see holes in his wrists, and I can see the probably not the hole in his side because he probably had a shirt on, but I can see that this is Jesus who was was crucified, and here he is alive, and that's enough. See, it's not singing that brings us to seeing. It's the other way around. We see, and then we sing. And when they see Jesus, they worship. See, if if we're not worshiping, it's not a music problem, it's not a preference problem, it's a a vision problem. Because when we see, we will sing. And that's what we see in these moments. They show up, they see Jesus on the mountain, and then everybody there, all 11 guys are like, man, this is the most amazing thing in the world, i got to worship this guy. And I look at that and I'm like, that's the least we can do, right? Jesus, you've already done all these amazing things, and i got to respond to these amazing things. It doesn't say how they worshipped because who cares? I don't. Peter maybe played guitar. I don't know. Maybe they shouted. Maybe they just got down on their face and did the thing. But but they worshipped. All of them worshipped. Not some of them worshipped. Not like Peter because he walked on water and here Jesus says worshipped or you know the disciple Jesus loved worshipped. No. But they see it and, and everybody worships. Because seeing leads to singing. But I love this because it doesn't stop there. It says they, they worshipped, but some doubted. Everybody worships, but some of them in those moments still are doubting. Now, I love this because doubt doesn't keep them from worship. Because they can see what's in front of them. But like in them, some of these guys are, are still struggling with what's happening. And you're like, well, how can that happen? These guys walked around with Jesus for three and a half years, and now they've seen Jesus several times to this moment. And they've been to the tomb, and it was empty. And then he showed up in the room, and they put the, the, the fingers in the, in the holes in his hands. Like These guys shouldn't be doubting at this point in time. And I just want to say to you, that's not up to you to have an opinion on. Because you don't get to judge how somebody else feels. Like, that's not the mission of the church. We sometimes think that we're the, like, righteousness police and the holy police. And we get to tell people how they should feel and how they should act and how they should respond. And I'm just going to say that's not up to you. That's up to God. That's not even your business. You worry about you and they'll worry about them. But, like, um, in in these moments, some of these guys are worshiping, but some of these guys are also doubting. Now, doubt doesn't keep them from worship because, again, they can see what's in front of them. But they're still struggling with, like, how in the world is this happening? That's easy to believe for me because this is the only guy this has ever happened to, right? Probably hundreds of thousands of people were killed by the Romans on crosses, and then there's Jesus who like got back up out of that. Um, when people die, they don't normally just come back three days later. That's why we call it a miracle. And these guys are there, and they're on the mountain, and they're like, "Man, this is nuts." You know, maybe for some of them, they're like, I believe it, man, I have faith. I'm, I'm so into this. But there's some of those guys that are still like, man, I see it, but this is this is weird. It's weird. And there's some doubt in these moments. Man, I can relate to that, and I'm glad that Matthew decided to stick that in the story. Right? Thank you, three people. Yeah. It's okay, there's three honest people and then the rest of us, right? (laughs) I I can relate to that. Because, man, I've seen Jesus move several times and there's still situations in my life that I'm like, I don't know, is he going to do anything there? Right? What is that? That's doubt. I've seen Jesus move several times and and get me out of situations several times and and there's still fear sometimes, right? Of like, is he going to come through this time? Is he going to do the thing this time? Is he going to move this time? See, like we're people and we deal with stuff. And I just want to say to you today, like if, if you're there and you're like, there's just, there's some things that like I struggle with sometimes. And like, I don't know, like I'm in a moment right now where I don't know if God's going to do this thing. you right. I just want to say like, you're in pretty good company according to Matthew 28. You're not alone. We may not talk about it, Like you may think, I'm the only one that doubts. I'm the only one that fears. I'm the only one that struggles. You're not alone. We just aren't honest. Thank you, Matthew, for being honest. Because we think, and maybe we're right, if we start expressing that to people, what they're going to do is they're going to be like, hey, did you hear? Did you hear this person struggling with this thing? You should pray for them. That's called gossip, by the way. I told you not 47,000 people. You just want to run your mouth, <laughs> and they just need prayer. And if you're one of those people, right, that are struggling, that's okay. I just want to say, like, God's big enough to deal with your doubts and your fears and your struggles and your, your heartaches. He's, he's big enough, and you can tell him. Maybe you need to find somebody you can have some wisdom and and pick out somebody that will pray for you and and encourage you. Maybe you can find that person, but if not, you you can tell God. You can be honest with God. Because I love what happens next. Like they're there and everybody's worshiping and, and some people are doubting. And then look what Jesus does it says that he came near. Then Jesus came near. Don't you love it that Matthew waited till after some doubted to, to put that in there? Because, I mean, it would have been a different story if it was like everybody worshiped and Jesus came near. Like we get that, right? Like everybody's worshiping, Jesus comes into the room. I, I believe that. I believe in worship. Jesus comes near to us so we can meet with Jesus in worship. But he waited till after some doubted to put then Jesus came near. Jesus knew everybody's worshiping, but, you know, Disciple L here, he's, he's having a hard time. And Jesus still stepped into the space with everybody. Because the thing that's going to clear up those things is not running from our questions and running from our, our, our doubts and our fears. Like, that doesn't do anything. That just kind of lets that become a beast in us. It's when we approach Jesus with those things that Jesus clears those things up. See, Jesus is not afraid we're going to figure out Jesus is a fraud because Jesus is not a fraud. You, you only have to hide things if there are things to hide. And Jesus is like, hey, you can come close to me. He's already showed up how many times? He's like, yeah, go ahead. There was a nail there. Yeah, it was amazing. yeah you can see right through that. That's amazing. You just go ahead and put your finger in there. There was a nail there. Because Jesus is not afraid they're going to figure out somehow he didn't die and now he's back. Like He's not afraid of that with them and he's not afraid of that with us. And, and we can come to Jesus with doubts and fears and struggles and heartaches. We can, we can walk right up into the space of Jesus with those things. And the enemy says, run. Oh, you shouldn't be doubting. And good Christians, they don't doubt. That's weird because there's like 11 dudes here that followed Jesus for three and a half years in the flesh. And some of them did. Oh, but nobody ever talks about it, so it must just be you. Nobody ever talks about it, but clearly it's not just you. And in those moments when, when the most turmoil is going on in our life, if we'll just approach Jesus, Jesus will approach us. And he'll take care of those things. Because he's not afraid of those things. And I just want to say today, I know like some of you are like, man, that's deep, that's not for me. But for some of us, it is for us. And I'm talking to you. And I want you to know today, like, you're not broke. You're just honest. And God's okay with that. I think he prefers it. And in those moments, if we'll come near to Jesus, he'll come near to us. It says when they saw him, they all worshipped, but some doubted in that moment Jesus came near to them. And I don't know how long he stood there maybe you just walked up and started the conversation maybe you just i know you're still struggling with this but i'm right here do you need to do the thing again i don't know because for some people maybe it takes longer than others and it's a, it's a journey for all of us and and we all fall down and we all hopefully get back up and some of us are slow starters and we're going to finish fast and some of us are going to start fast and we're going to finish slow and it's just it's a journey And you can't judge somebody else's journey. It's not even your business to what anybody else is doing. But he comes and he stands there. And after they've got a good look, he says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. What a conversation starter. Here they are in their fear and their doubt. And he steps into those moments, and this is how he starts the conversation Hey guys, I'm in charge. What better thing to say to somebody who's in fear and doubt? (laughs) It's fine, I'm in charge. He says, All authority has been given to me. And then he says, In heaven, we know what that is, and on earth, everywhere. Jesus is all authority over all things. In all things, God is in charge, is what he's saying. I have all the authority. I love that. He doesn't look at him and say, Hey, don't worry, I got some authority. I'm a little bit in charge. You guys don't have to struggle because like I can, I can do some stuff. I got to ask about other things. He looks at him. He's like, hey, it's fine. I'm completely in charge of everything in heaven and on earth. What better thing to say and what better thing for us to hear today? See, see, if we have a God that is a little bit in charge, we have an issue. Because now we have a reactionary God who's always chasing us around trying to figure out what we're going to do. And then when he figures out what we're going to do, he's got to kind of, oh, okay, well, hopefully we'll come to this one. But then we don't. He's like, "Oh no, I got to get you over here," and then try to get you. That's a some authority, God. But Jesus says, "Like I have all the authority. I'm completely in charge, completely." And what we call that is sovereign. God is supreme ruler and authority of everything in the universe. You know what that means? The enemy is in charge of nothing because God is in charge of everything. That also means, by the way, you are in charge of nothing because God is in charge of everything. And some of us struggle with that, right? Uh, but I, I want my choice. I want my choice. So that's great and cute and whatever. But that would make you God. Because he's got all control, all authority. He's the supreme authority of the universe. And what that means is, like, all good things, right? God. But can I just let you in on the secret in the world today? All bad things. God. I'm just going to let you breathe for a minute because it's hard. I had this conversation with somebody the other night, and like I love it. It fired me up, really. Um, and you, you can ask me to leave today if you don't like this. It's fine because God has all the authority. If I leave, that's what he wanted. There's peace in that. There's absolutely zero peace in God is chasing me around trying to figure out what I'm going to do and then steer me some, trying to steer me back some other way and just hoping that I go. Because what it means is absolutely anything can happen to me and God has no control over it because God's only a little in charge. And if you don't like that, the truth is you don't have a problem with what I'm saying. You have a problem with God having all the authority. Because you're either completely in charge or you're not completely in charge. And you don't have to like everything that happens, right? But man, I would rather submit to a God who's completely in charge and is working even the bad things together for good, Romans 8, and for His glory than a God who has no control who just plays fire department all the time. <laughs> See, Jesus said this because there's so much peace that's gonna happen out of this talk. Do you realize that he he says this to these guys? And when we know, right? Like we talked about at this beginning. I don't have to talk anybody into the fact that God's will for us today is to go out into the world and to tell people about Jesus. We know that, but we don't do it. Why do we not do it? Because we struggle with the end caps of this three verses. We struggle with what is going to happen to me if I do it. How are people going to respond if I do it? How how are people going to reject me or hurt me or cast me to the side if I do it? And Jesus starts the conversation with, I am completely in control. That's how Jesus starts this conversation. And then he moves into a moment where he says, now go make disciples and baptize them and teach them everything I've commanded you. And then these guys are going to do that. I I want you to hear that. These guys are going to do that. They're not going to stand around, like you can, you can look it up in history, they're not going to stand around and huddle up in a room forever and die and never tell anybody the story of Jesus unless they walk into that room. That is not how it goes. Praise God. Because none of us would be here. Because people don't just walk up in a room to hear about Jesus. That's not how it works. Ah, there was a sign at the road, and I didn't know what happened in there, so I just thought I'd go see, and then gospel Because that's not how it works. It's never how it's worked. There's always had to be some kind of thing. And he says this to these guys, go make disciples. And I want you to know these guys are going to do it and they're all going to die. A lot of them are going to be killed. One's going to be like boiled alive and he just, he's stubborn. He won't die. So they're just going to exile him. And in this moment, when Jesus calls them to this, he knows every bit of that. And he's saying to them, not only do I know every bit of that, I'm in charge of every bit of that. Disciple X, they're going to cut your head off. But it's okay, because that's plan A, not plan B. And you're like, I don't like that. Well, I can't get away from it. So unless you can get away from it and you can come find it and get away from it for me, we don't necessarily have to like it. It's just true. John, yeah, they're going to dip you, brother, in really hot oil. You're going to survive. But I'm not playing catch up. You're all going to go make disciples because I have all the authority and you're going to take me up on that. But I want you to know, like, no matter what they do to you, I have all the authority. Anybody like, man, that's just really easy to hear. But look at what God did in that. Look at how many, I'm going to say thousands, but I'm underselling that. People are going to be in heaven because he showed up to 11 guys and he said, I'm completely in charge. It doesn't matter what they do to you. Just a few days ago, all these guys were huddled up in a room afraid of the Jews, and now something's going to happen, and it's going to send them out into the world, and and it's going to send them out in a fearless way, and it's not they didn't understand 12 days ago, 40 days ago, whatever, that Jesus wanted them to go out into the world and make disciples. It's this conversation that he's bookending this with, did something in somebody's heart that was like, you know what, it doesn't really matter. Because nothing can happen to me that God doesn't want to happen to me. The Jews, they don't have power. They have an illusion of power. My boss, he doesn't have power. He has an illusion of power. My, my friends and my family don't have power. They have an illusion of power, and they only have power in my brain because God has all the power in the universe. And what that means is there's going to be a lot of good that comes out of it, and maybe I'm going to see it, and maybe I don't. But God works all things together for his good and in, in his glory. And I can put my, here's the key, trust in that. Because listen to this. These guys, these 11 guys have intimately walked with Jesus for three and a half years. And what they know about Jesus is he's not sadistic and he's not mean. He's good and he's my friend and he loves me and he wants what's best for me. And he's not against me. And maybe sometimes people will be against me and he will allow people to be against me. But he's never against me. So if I'm going through it and it's hard and it's bad, I can trust that a loving God is doing something with it. Painful things happen to lost people and saved people. But for people that trust in God and know God, God always works it together. Romans 8, for our good and his glory. And in this moment when he shows up and he says, hey guys, it's me, it's Jesus, it's your friend, we've walked together for three and a half years now, and you've seen all kinds of crazy stuff, I just want you to know, I'm completely in charge. It wouldn't have been scary, it would have been relief. Because I know him. If we're scared by the authority of Jesus, there's a reason we're scared by the authority of Jesus, and it's probably, we just don't know Jesus. I said a prayer. That's awesome. Do you know the character of Jesus? That's what I'm talking about. Do you know the person of Jesus? Do you know that God loves you like with with everything? Enough to die for you. If he's going to go through horrible stuff, we're not exempt. And when you see that that is the person with all the authority and he's the one that's completely in charge, man, it can move us into the mission. So he shows up and he's like, hey, I know we're everywhere this morning. Some of you, everybody's worshiping, but some of you guys are doubting. But for everybody, I have all the authority. I'm completely in charge today. And then he follows that with, so Go. of all the authority in heaven and on earth. And he says, go, therefore. Go, why? Because of this previous verse. Not go because that's our Christian duty, or go because we go to church and we know the thing, or go because we went to some class and they showed us how to do the Roman road thing and we're really good at it and now we can get people to say some prayers. Not go because we've had theological training, or go because we're evangelists, whatever that is. Go because Jesus has all the authority. He says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Go, go make disciples. The actual translation is as you are going, make disciples of all nations. I love this because we think when we're going to make disciples, God has to show up in a lightning bolt on a Sunday and tell us we're going to Africa and we have to come down front and submit to that six weeks later because we had to struggle with it for a while. And then and then we just, like, figure out how the money thing happens and then we go to Africa. Because we think God has to, like, call us into a specific mission field. And God's saying to these guys, you're already in the mission field. Just, like, as you go today. Because... I have all the authority, just go make disciples. Not go make converts. Some of us have this wrong. And what we want to do is we want to harass people until they say a prayer. And then they're lost and they said a prayer. You you don't have to talk fruit off of a tree. If God's calling somebody, you just have to like share the message. We make it so difficult, right? Like... It's some argument we have to win. If you have to argue, there's already an issue. They're not ripe fruit. Now, they may be down the road because I visited today and the answer was no doesn't mean a week from now it's going to be no or a month from now it's going to be no because through prayer and the work of God, they will get ripe eventually. But we like tie our success to like how many people say this prayer thing. And even don't churches even do it like, oh, 17,000 people saved this morning. And we, we baptized everyone in the room for the 17th time. What does that matter? Is that better than I faithfully share the gospel for 32 years and nobody came? No, because the mission is just that I, like, go tell people that there's success in just doing what God has said to do. If you can save people, they're not saved. So he says, like, go, just as you're going to the Walmart and to the grocery store, go make disciples. And these guys, they are going to go to, like, all the nations not the first day. They're going to start at home is what we're going to see. Right? Like Acts 2, they're like, let me just get back in my room in Jerusalem. And then they just like go outside because the Holy Spirit so moves them that way and like, thousands of people in the city come to know Christ, not because of something they did, but because the Holy Spirit did it. They were just in the, in the spot that God wanted to use them at the right time. You see the story, like God even calls all the people together. <laughs> right? Man, what was that sound? Let's go see. Gospel. It's more of a work on God's part because he has all the authority than it'll ever be on our part. It says, Go make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So he says, you go make disciples, and just so we're clear who did all the work, when you baptize them, you're not baptizing them in Brad's name, because Brad didn't do anything. Don't come in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, because that's who does all the work. I want to say to us today that just as much as command A up here, go tell, is for everybody, go baptize, is for everybody. I've heard people preach the first part and be like, Now this is only for ordained people. <laughs> okay, show me the verse. No, I can't do that, but it is. It's only for ordained people. That's really cool. Um I didn't see Jesus qualify that. Or that's only for men. Okay. Weird. It was only talking to men, I guess. But biblically other than that, like can you can you do anything with that? These are commands for all people, or they're commands for no people. He says, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I love this because this is also God's mission for you. Teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. In some way, God has called every follower to teach. And maybe you only know like this much. And we need to work on that. But he calls them to teach what they know. So he says, go tell to those that become disciples, baptize and then teach or disciple them. That's the mission. Now maybe for some of us, we we knew the first part and we didn't know we got to be in on the second part, so I wanted to put that in there. But that's the mission. And if you've been to church more than like one time in your whole life, you already knew that. But if I said how many of us have done that this week, probably nobody in the room would raise your hand, including me. but that's the mission. If nobody does it, nobody hears it. I'm just throwing that out there. And I'm just going to throw it out today the reason we're not doing it is because we don't know, not because we don't know it it's because either we have forgot the therefore hey god's in charge of everything or we missed this last part somehow jesus says to them and remember i am with you Always, every single moment of every single day, to the end of the age or forever. Remember, I'm with you till the end. Every moment. I'm right there. Beside you. you know these two parts are like the hinge piece that that part has to fit in between if we're ever going to do this thing if we're ever going to leave this place and do more than just hey I go I go to church if we even do that we've got to fit our lives in the context of Jesus is in charge of everything, and he's with me. And he knew that, and that's why they're having this conversation. See, Jesus has not only had this conversation with these guys this one time on this mountain in Galilee. At this point in time, Jesus had this conversation the other day. We talked about it, right? Like the Resurrection Sunday, Jesus shows up in the room, and he's like, Hey, the Holy Spirit's coming, and when he comes, you get out there. You need to tell people. Before Jesus even died, he took the guys in the city, and he's like, Hey, you see all those people? There's a lot of right people out there. Fields there they're white with harvest. And he looks at him, he says, but you don't see any workers, do you? He says, The man, the harvest is plentiful, plentiful, but the workers they're few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send more workers out into the field. Over and over and over and over and over again, we see Jesus share this mission. Hey, it's about more people than you today. It's not all about you today. Can I ruin your world for the moment? You aren't the only person breathing the air in the room today. And you aren't the only person breathing the air on the planet today. It's not all about you. I was like weird when I was little and I like wondered sometimes, am I just imagining all this? I'm just floating in my little desk up in space and I'm the only one. All this is being beamed in. I'm probably the only person that's ever thought that um, if we're not being honest. But I had this mentality when I was younger that everything was about me and it was just me, 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 me. And then God started being like, Nah. It's about me, 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 me. And I love you. And you get to be part of my story, but it's not your story. And today on this planet, I think people that check the box and say they're a Christian, I think two-thirds of the people on the planet say that. That's any denomination, no stipulations, just, ah, oh, yeah, I, mom was, I am. Grandma was, I am. I'm kind of a pessimist, so I'd say less than half probably really are. And I'd drop farther from 50 just because I've met people and I am people. And I go to work every day and if you know me, I go to the mall like every day. Um, I go a lot of places, and as I'm going, I've I've never just randomly seen somebody walk up to me and say, "Hey, I just got to ask you today. Do you know Jesus? Have you?" If it's not happened to you, who's doing it? So here's the question, where is the church? If that's the mission of the church, where is the church? If every person that's ever been to church more than one time has heard somebody stand up and say, hey, God's got a mission for you. Go tell people. And nobody's out there telling people. Where is the church? Well, if you turn back a couple pages, I have have the theory. We're all still locked up in a room somewhere hiding from the Jews I can't go out there can't be a Christian out there they might not like me I can't tell that person they may never talk to me again I'll wear a Jesus t-shirt maybe somebody will ask me about it how many times has that happened not many and usually what do we say? Oh Jesus. See you later. We're all still locked up in the room afraid of something that God never intended us to be afraid of. We've believed the lie that if you do this thing, then somebody's comfort's more important than somebody's eternity. That your comfort is more important than somebody's eternity what we've done is we've said it's about me so lock the door and Jesus is standing here with these 11 guys out in the middle of a field on a mountain and he's saying hey I got up high so all the world could see I have all the authority I'm completely in charge and it's about me So when you leave this place, when we come down from the mountain, and we all have to come down from the mountain. Jesus didn't let the disciples build houses on the mountain. He said, when you get down out of here as you're going, I need you to do something. I need you to quit being afraid, and I need you to open your mouth. There's not one thing that's going to happen to you that I didn't let happen to you. And I'm Jesus. I love you. And I want what's best for you. So, out of this, I'm bringing your good and my glory. I just need you to be on the team today. I got all the authority in heaven and on earth. You can do this. I'm telling you, you, you got to go. And as you're going, I'm inviting you into the story of God of salvation in people's lives. You can't save people, but the message can. You got to take it. You got to take it. But I want you to know as you take it, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. When you get up, I'm with you. When you get out there, I'm with you. When people are mocking you, I'm with you. When they say, I it didn't make sense, I'm with you. When you messed it all up and you said all the wrong stuff, I'm with you. When you're like, yeah, G, what, what's his name again? I'm with you. You don't have anything to fear. So open up the doors and open up the windows and let's go do this thing. If you know Jesus today, that's what he's saying to you today. You got to choose what you do with it. Right? You got to choose what you do with it. You, You get to choose if it really matters to you. You get to choose if you care about lost people. You get to choose if you care if people are separated from God for all eternity. You get to choose that. But God's saying, don't. Fear doesn't get to be your excuse today. So as you go, tell people the miracle God has done and let God take care of what people do with it. Let's pray.